0: Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenged you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Let's get into today. Today we're answering the question of what now? What now? And we know last week that Easter Sunday was not stopped, it was just simplified, right? Very different Easter for a lot of us, especially if Easter is something that you do traditionally. Uh, We did a lot of stuff from our home. We know that the resurrection wasn't canceled because it happened. Resurrection is really what separated history from uh, B.C. and A.D. And so um, what we're looking at today is Jesus' last week uh, to 10 days here on the earth after his resurrection before He ascended to heaven. My conviction in this was: uh, I feel like as the capital C church, sometimes we skip right past this time, and we kind of get onto the next thing and work our way to the summer. And then I feel like, um, as believers, we uh, tend to feel the weight of what the resurrection was. And even though we believe the Easter message, um, it's really easy to kind of say. I'm not, I'm not ready to, to do that, to take up my cross. I'm not ready to be all in or you feel the weight or the expectation of what Jesus did. And again, even though we understand that what the resurrection did for us is it restored our relationship with God. It gave us forgiveness of, from our past, from all of our sins. And it gave us freedom to move forward and at the pace in which God's called us to walk. And so the problem is sometimes we don't have the patience to walk at that pace. We think it needs to be faster or we think it's not good enough, and and God with His Son said, it's good enough. It says you're enough. It says it's all good. And so what we gather from last week was that, that we have um, restoration in our relationship with God. We have forgiveness of our sins, and we have freedom to move forward, to lay aside everything that holds us back, especially the stuff that we trip up on, right? And so then um, over the past few weeks, we've been in the book of John and I think the best thing that we can do as a church is to faithfully finish John. And so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, great. If you don't, make sure you grab it. You have some time to do that. But today, uh, today's message is more of like a group Bible study than it is me actually teaching or sharing a message. And so I hope that you're going to be ready to read. Um, if you want to look at uh, what's happening the week after Jesus' resurrection, the best place to look is John. And so today we're going to start in John chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 19 through 31. I'm in the Holman. This is the Bible that we use at our church. Um, if you're using an iPad or the YouVersion Bible app, or even um, Bible Gateway, you can go to BibleGateway.com and find that version right now if you want to read along with us on your iPad. And so here's what it says. We'll read this together. It says, in the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced because they saw it was the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. It's a big verse. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas wasn't here. He wasn't with them. He was he was really uh, removed from the whole situation. Okay, And so verse 24 says, But one of the twelve, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, you know, they're kind of laying it on. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord, Thomas. We've seen the Lord. And uh, Thomas just can't get a hold of it. He says to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in there, if I don't see, or if I don't put my hand into his side, I will never believe is what Thomas says. Have you ever been where Thomas is right here in this passage? I can't tell you how many times I've been here with Heather, where she would say, no, no, babe, I'm telling you, it's this way. And you, and I was, and then you respond like, like every man does, right? No, 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 until I see it, until I see it, it ain't the truth. It didn't happen. It was never real, right? And so, and I'm sure... That we can go the other way with that argument too. And so in verse 26, it says, after eight days, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace to you. Then he, then he calls Thomas out. Okay. He gets right to business. Then he says to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. He says, reach out your hand and put it in my side. And then here's here's solid gold. He says, don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. Don't be faithless any longer. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas responded to him. He says, my Lord, my God. My Lord, my God. And Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Those who believe without seeing are blessed blessed are those, there's another version of this. It says, blessed are those who haven't seen or will never see and believe anyway. This is who he's talking about us here. We're not, you know, next day with Jesus right now. We're several thousand years removed, right? And so what you see is, blessed are those who haven't seen and believe anyways. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, because if they were, they would, they would um, be so many that um, you wouldn't be able to count them, right? It says, but these are written uh, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in His name. You may have life in His name. I think I got ahead of myself there. And so I think we can really identify with Thomas here. Unless I put my hands, unless I see it for myself, is where Thomas says. And what you need to understand is that everything that Thomas had heard up to this point, up to eight days later, was hearsay. the, The disciples are telling him all, right? But he's not believing because he hasn't seen, because he hasn't seen. And what we need to understand is Thomas believed more in Jesus' death than he did that he was alive. He believed more in the report that Jesus was dead than he did that Jesus was alive. But Jesus shows up eight days later and he says, Don't be faithless anymore. If there's a message today outside of what we're talking about, it's that in a pandemic, in a quarantine, lockdown, sitting at home, don't be faithless anymore. And so today, just like eight days after the resurrection, Jesus comes and he says to you, he says, peace to you. Peace in your home. Peace as you sit wherever you are. Peace to you. You can believe in me without seeing me. And when you do, my grace and my mercy will show up because my spirit is with you. Peace to you. That's great news. That's great news today. And so many times we often skim right past this and we just get on to like the next thing. Right. And so now what? Now what? Let's look at verse 21. As the father has sent me, I also send you. This is the great commission. This is the call of the church, right? I love John's version because it's really plain and simple to the point. It's how I like to roll, right? It says, Hey, for the father sent me. Now I also send you, but the version in Matthew makes us feel a little bit better. There's a lot more depth to it. And, um, you kind of get a grasp on what Jesus is saying in Matthew, unlike here in verse 21, where it's just like four words. And so let's look in Matthew. If you're going to flip over, flip over to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to be in verse 16 through 20. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I hope you've got your notebooks and you're taking notes. You're writing this stuff down so you can reference. I'm, I'm going to give you a couple things to, to take from today that are hopefully going to help you engage in a great uh, time of study this week. And so I'm going to reach out this week also and be touching base uh, through social media and and touch and, and touching back on this and recapping this throughout the week. And so Matthew 28:16 it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had, had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. This is huge. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In verse 20, you see, he says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our action step. This is our action step. And when he says, Obey everything I have commanded you. I want to take you back to how we started today, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do these two things, you'll find that you're obeying all the other commands. And so let's let everything be rooted in love for God and love for each other as we love ourselves. And so if you want to dig deeper on the Great Commission this week, here's a couple of references for you so you can compare, okay? Uh, you can find the Great Commission and kind of this story that we're talking about in Mark 16, verses 14 through 17. You also find it in Luke 24, uh, verse 44 through 49. These are real small nuggets. You find it where we just read, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And then you also find it in John 20, verses 19 through 29. My favorite version of all these is Luke. It adds a little bit more um, detail uh, or explanation to it. And so um, I would love for you to dig on that this week and see, uh, make sure you take notes see what God shows you. And so what you're going to see is that you don't need, um, you don't only need faith to believe uh, that Jesus rose from the dead, but you need faith to believe that you're called to go. Right? He says, I'm sending you. So it's not just believing that Jesus restored our relationship, forgave our sins and freed us to move forward, but he also... The faith we also need is to believe that he called each of us to go. And so then this means that we are the church. He says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. So we need the faith to follow follow that, right? And so this means that we together today, regardless of where we sit, we're the church. We're a community of faith. And right here in each of these gospels, what we see is the church is being deployed. The church is being sent out. The Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Go into all the world and make disciples, right? The church is being deployed. Much like today, we see churches all across the country, all across the world, empty, crickets, crickets right now. And we're sitting at home today, waiting with hope and anticipation. Today, we are the church and we are one church regardless of upbringing or religious habits or religious routines or denomination, if you believe that God sent his son, Jesus to the earth to die for your sins, that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead so that you could be restored, forgiven and freed, then you are the church. And regardless of, of where you hang your hat or what denomination or what building or, or pew you call home every weekend, you're the church right where you sit. And so that means that all around the country right now, meeting in houses, from the people watching in um, North Carolina, to the people watching in Colorado, to the people connected in Oklahoma, to the people right here, we have such a great base, a great group of people right here in Gross Point. you are the church and you've been deployed. We've been deployed. But in a pandemic, in quarantine, what is our part? What is our part? And I hope to answer that question today, because if all we do is sit here, like we would sit in a pew or a, or a, uh, you know, whatever your your chair is—a pull-out chair, a pull-down chair, or a recliner for that matter—if you move it, if you if your church meets in a movie theater, um, if all we do is sit here, we're no different than an unbeliever who disregards the message of to go into all of the world, right? Nothing happens. This is just a normal Sunday where we sit and we hear and we stew but it really doesn't call us to action, right? It really doesn't cause us to action. So if all we do is sit, we sit silent like unbelievers and nothing happens. And we don't want this just to be another Sunday, especially this week. This message I feel is just as important as the Easter message. This is just as big. We see the great commission as a command to the disciples, right? And that's kind of where we've gotten our comfort is like, ah, Jesus talking to the disciples. He's not talking to me. This is for them. It's not for me. But there's a part, there's, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, Jesus says, or God says, he will not return, okay, until everybody hears his name, until everybody hears the name of Jesus. And so then, that means we all have a responsibility. That means that great commission, when he says, Father sent me, now I'm sending you, that means you have to take ownership. That means we all have ownership in the game, right? And so then, what now? We finish the book of John and see what else God is saying to us, what Jesus is leaving us. What I love about the book of John is we get an extra chapter. We get an extra chapter. Jesus just doesn't disappear. Jesus hangs out before he ascends to heaven. So let's look together at John 21. And I'm going to read this out loud. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to picture it. It's a really great story. If you want to read along, great. If you just, you know, have zero imagination, I don't blame you. I was I was like that for a little bit. And so... If you have no imagination, it's all good. But what I do want you to do is just kind of close your eyes, get to a place where you can picture this happening. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Peter, Thomas, Nathanael from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two other disciples were together. Peter says, I'm going fishing. He says to them, I'm going fishing. We're coming with you. The disciples told him they went out and got into the boat together, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples didn't know it was him, and he calls out, "Fellas, <laughs> you don't have any fish, do you?" And it's, you, I can only imagine Jesus joking, at, "You guys ain't caught nothing, have you?" And no, they say, "No, no, we haven't." He says, "Cast the net on the right side of the boat." And you'll find some. So they did. And they were unable to haul him because such a large number of fish. Verse 7. Therefore, the disciple, the one Jesus loved, talking about John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was in his shorts. He was in his shorts only because they were fishing. And he plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from the land, the other disciples came in the boat and dragged a net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a fire there with fish flying, with fish lying on it and with bread. This is huge. Bring some of the fish that you guys have caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net did not tear. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him who he was. They just knew it was him. They just knew it was him. Jesus came, he took the bread, he gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. And this was on. Uh, this was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead, after resurrection. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. Pay attention here. Jesus says, feed my lambs and feed my lambs. And then a the second time, he asked him, this is back to back, second time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. He says, shepherd my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Then he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord. Lord you know everything. You know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. And what's unique about this scripture is I've always read this personally. I've read this like Jesus asking me if I love him. Not seeing what this, what the depth of this mini conversation, these four verses have. And so let's move on. We're going to come back and visit this, highlight that in your Bible or your notes. If you're taking them, I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify what kind of death that, that uh, Peter was going to die that would glorify God. After saying this, he said, follow me, which Jesus knew by the questions asked before that he would. Okay. In verse 20, so Peter turned around and saw the disciple that Jesus loved following him, John. You know, John's writing this. So it's every time John refers to himself, it's the the disciple that Jesus loved, which is always nice. And so that disciple was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the, at the last supper and asked, Lord, who, who is the one who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? What about John? Like he's right behind us. Right. And He says, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? I'm just asking you to follow me. I'm just asking you to follow me. And so this report spread to the brothers. And what I want you to see right there is that this is Jesus and Peter, and they're walking side by side. John's behind them. They're together. It's a relationship. Verse 23. So this report spread to the brothers that his disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not tell him that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? And so this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which were written by one. I suppose the world couldn't contain the books if it were written. And what I want you to see today is chapter 21 is huge for us as believers. We've already been given the great commission, but now we get to see something in Peter that's in us. And so here's what we see in verse three, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And all the other disciples say, I'm going with, Hey, we're coming with Peter is a leader. Jesus knows this. He's known it from the beginning. All the others follow Peter. If you jump to verse seven, you see that John tells Peter, Hey, that's the Lord. Now, Peter's the guy who started the fishing trip. He's the one who said, I'm going fishing. And in verse seven, now keep in mind, they just caught a big, a big, big catch, right? There's stuff to do on the boat, but John says, Hey, that's Jesus. And Peter ties his shirt around his waist and jumps in the water. This is the second time that Peter has left the boat with everybody in it. This is the second time that Peter's left the boat with everybody. The first time you remember, Jesus called him out on the water. John doesn't reference it. It goes right by it, almost like it does the Great Commission. It's just a couple words. But you see this in Matthew 14, 29, when, when Peter comes out on the water. And this time, much like the last, Peter's going toward the only thing that matters. And so first time there's a storm and you know in a storm that that everybody has a post. We've got to make sure the boats go in the right direction. Everybody has a job. And Peter says, nah, nah, I'm going. I'm going to Jesus. And then the same thing. We get a big catch of fish. We should be really. I started this fishing trip. And he says, ah, I ain't got time for fish right now. Jesus is here. And so he goes. It reminds me a lot of Mary, the story of Mary and Martha, where Mary just says, hey, this is the one thing that's important right now. I'm going to be right here. And so if you look at verses 14 through 17, this is Peter's restoration. You know, earlier in John, Peter denies Jesus three times. And here he confirms him three times. So this is, this is Peter restored. But even greater than Peter's restoration, this is Jesus entrusting the church, capital C church to Peter, just like he entrusted the synagogue to Moses, right? This is the birth of the church. This is us. My father sent me, now I'm sending you, go. If you remember, I'm going to reference John 6 a couple times here. And that's where we're going to end up today. And we are close to the close. If you remember back in John chapter 6, there's a miracle where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with loaves and fish. And when they get out of the boat on the shore, Jesus tells Peter, he says, give them something to eat. And Peter's like, we don't have anything to eat. Just send them home. It's been a long day. Let's call it a night. And Jesus says, no, what do you have? And Peter says, nothing. But the disciples search, and they find the boy with the five loaves and the two fish. And Jesus does what he does, feeds the 5,000. He wastes nothing. They collect 12 baskets full afterwards, and it's all good. What you see in verse 9, it's not a coincidence if we're in, in John 21, Verse nine. It's not a coincidence that Jesus is feeding the disciples loaves and fish, the same thing he fed or they ate on in John chapter six. If you now go to John twenty one, Peter knows now it's it's come full circle to him. Peter knows what Jesus was asking him in John six, and now he feels empowered to do it. It's there. It's on him. It's been passed to him. Right. Another thing that we're noting again in verse 20 is that Jesus and Peter walking side by side. This confirms um, Peter's position as leader, right? He gets his final words from Jesus as they walk together and John follows. As Peter's being entrusted with the church, i want to kind of park on 14 to 17 here, 21, 14 to 17. As Jesus or as Peter's being entrusted with the church, Jesus says, feed them feed them. And I can't help but wonder if he said, who are them? And if you've ever seen the movie Young Guns, it's amazing. I don't know if I can recommend that right here. But Billy Bonney, Billy the Kid, says, who are them? And his teacher says, who are they? Who are they? I can't help but think about that here. And Jesus says, feed them. Who are them? Who are they? People. They're people, right? And so then who then then what is he to feed? What is he to feed? He's to feed people, the bread of life. Who is the bread of life? Jesus. Jesus. In the first chapter of all the gospels, everyone, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus says to the disciples, "Follow me and I will make you fishers of men." The fish represent people. Be fishers of men. Go into all the world, make disciples go fishing, use bread for bait, use me, I am the way. In John 21, we see they caught 153 fish in the net. It's believed at that time that there were 153 species of fish on the earth, which meant this is a symbol of a fruitful mission as fishers of men. They caught one of every kind. The only way to catch one of every kind of day is to go into all the world. So this week, your action step or your homework is to do this. Read through John chapter six and John 21. Get your notebook out. It's your Bible, obviously. Highlight. And what I want you to see is what God reveals to you. And I want you to write it down because I think I'm just scratching the surface. In John 6, Jesus opens with a miracle. It's the loaves and the fish. He feeds the 5,000. In John 21, Jesus has a campfire. He feeds the disciples loaves and fish. There's a couple things for you. In John 6, there's a storm. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's there. In John 21, it's a net full of fish. Peter is in the water. Okay? Again, Peter gets out of the boat in both instances to go to Jesus. In Chapter 6, Jesus confirms he is the bread of life to people, to Jews, and then to the disciples. In 21, Jesus tells Peter to feed my people. In chapter 6 ends with the disciples deserting Jesus. They desert him, they leave him. And Peter confesses his faith to Jesus. And chapter 21 ends with Jesus entrusting the church to Peter and a final walk together side by side. So what led Peter to to be the one. It was his heart. It was his faith. It was his belief. It wasn't just what he believed. It was his actions. He followed through. I'm closing with this. This is John 60, verse or John 6. There is no John 60. John 6, verse 60 through 69. Jesus has just got done telling everybody he's the bread of life. The disciples are a little perturbed, right? Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, Does this offend you? Does this offend you? Then what if you observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? That's where he came from. The spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. It's not what you do. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. Verse 65, he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned their back on him and no longer followed him. Therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, don't you want to go too? Aren't you going to walk? Don't you want to go? And Peter turns around and he answers and he says, Lord, who would we go to? Who would we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Two things to take away from today's message. It's the thing I ended with, John six sixty eight. I start every day with John six sixty eight. Lord, who would I go to? Where would I go to? What would I go to? You are the way. You have the words of eternal life. It's you. Help me, help me, Lord, to be in the moment that Peter was in when he confessed his faith to you, to live in that way, 100% all in with the assurance and the peace that comes with it, right? Excuse me. The second thing I want you to see is today, regardless of where you find yourself, if you can hear my voice You are the church, and that's hard to grasp because for so long we've seen the church. Western culture has made the church a thing, and the church has never been meant to be a thing. It is a who. It's a body. The church is a movement of people. It's not a monument that we visit. The church is a body of believers. It's not a building that we go to. To, Together, regardless of where we are, We are a community of believers. If you're in Istanbul right now, you're with us. If you believe God, Son, Resurrection, right? Jesus' last words were essentially deploying the church, saying, hey, the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. It's a movement. So then we've been put on mission You've been put on mission. And this is the biggest thing. More now than ever, people who you know who are in your circle of influence, who are in your friend group, your family group, they need you. If you would call yourself a believer, a follower of Jesus, they need you now more than ever. They need the church. They need the church. And so your action step this week is to do, to not sit idle. Do not sit and wait and hope. And think and dwell. Your action step is to go. How can you go in this pandemic? How can you go? There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, when hope comes, help, or when help comes, hope follows. When help comes, hope follows. So then, who needs your help this week? Because when help comes, hope follows. Who needs to hear from you? Call them. As much as we didn't like to call people before the quarantine and the pandemic, call them. Talk to them. Be help. Be hope. Be light. And fish a little. Drop some money in the bank. Sow some seed. Because you are the church. God's going to use you to do something in somebody's life that he'll never use me for. We just have to be open and willing, and it's possible in this season, and right now people need the church more than ever, and that's on us. We've been deployed. And so then, who needs you this week? Reach out and then stay in touch. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at liveRedefined.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.